0: like marriage and divorce, kids in college, Show that past performance is not indicative of future results. Thanks for tuning
1: in. Good morning. You're listening to McNamara on Money. I'm Alyssa McNamara-Reed. Happy weekend, everybody. Um, my co-host this morning is my husband and business partner, Kirk Reed. Good morning.
2: Good morning. Uh,
1: and we have a special guest today. We are going to talk today about, um, I think, quite a popular topic. Um, we're going to chat about aging in place. Um, whether that's, uh, you know, for, for you and, or a spouse, or whether it's for your mom or dad or some beloved family member. Um, I, I have frequent conversations in this regard with clients. A lot of people go through this. Um, and so we are lucky enough today to have the owner of Senior Helpers, Boston and South Shore. Um, we're going to talk about all sorts of things related to aging. Um, pleasantly and well and and particularly aging in place so um uh thank you so much for being here good morning this is mark friedman again owns uh senior helpers boston and south shore and also an executive in another firm which you can tell us about in a moment um assured allies and it's sort, of, sort of a similar business but uh good morning mark thank you so much for being here
3: good morning it's a pleasure.
1: Um, good. So, I, I, Mark, and I just uh, connected recently. So, I thought I would give you the pleasure of introducing yourself and giving us a little bit of a background. I certainly think you're more well positioned uh, to do it than I am, given we just met recently. So, do you want to take a moment and just do a little
3: background? Sure. Um, the the Becoming an expert in aging was uh, his uh, second career for me. Uh, I spent 25 years fixing companies all over North America, South America, and Europe. Um, And as part of that, I volunteered at uh, a synagogue and helped rebuild that. And I saw the plight of a lot of the seniors that um, were in the congregation whose children had moved or were getting advice. And it was a mixed bag of advice. So when a friend decided he wanted to start a home care agency, I said, I'd like to invest in that um you know i retired from consulting jumped into the business we grew it realized we were covering too big a market so we split that agency in half and that's what became senior helpers boston and south shore um and he continued to work on the north shore merrimack valley cape bannon and southeastern mass um the goal has always been for me you know I, I helped a lot of shareholders do well i wanted to help people live a better life so it uh it was more of a you know, a heart business than, uh, than anything else, but it's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a good business. It's a, it's a service that people need, um, and so that's why I, I, I jumped in uh, kind of feet first and, and head first all at the same time. Uh, a few years ago, I was sitting on the board of advisors of a, a company that was half here and half in Israel who's had a desire to do something in scale about aging in place. Uh, and it's a company called Assured Allies. And what we're doing is it's more of a business-to-business-to-consumer uh, approach, working with the long-term care insurance industry, uh, predicting risk um, and scale, and then deploying you know, our analytics to figure out who might be at risk, and then our case management capability and product platform to help them manage that risk. So it's a service to policyholders of long-term care carriers, if they're one of our clients, and we help them kind of sort out what's important, what's not, and how to adjust the things that are gonna drive them you know, kind of over the risk curve and keep them on on you know, on the you know the, the, the better aging side of things. The reason for that is you know not many people have long-term care insurance. There's seven and a half million policies in the, out in the country and when to use it is a common question and we want people to be able to use it for those catastrophic needs as opposed to using it in small nickel and dime you know increments so when they really need it for major support, it will be there. Um, so that's the other company, Assured Allies, and we're okay. we're doing quite really well.
1: Um, good. I I feel like I could talk to you about that stuff for two hours, but I don't think it would be quite as interesting to our listening audience. So we do want to focus right. on the home care stuff today. But it, it, I think, what you're doing with Assured Allies is so interesting. I, um, you know, I've been around this business, I guess, what fifteen, almost twenty, mm-hmm. almost twenty years now, and. Oh, in that period of time, the amount of companies writing long term care insurance policies has dwindled pretty significantly, right? It's a particular, yep. I don't know if it's particularly now or if that's nationwide. Yeah. yeah. And it, um, you know, I think it's a very uh, worthwhile type of coverage for people to have. I think it's very appropriate for people. Yeah. Um, it scares me a little bit that I'm kind of worried that it might go away if, you know, and I, I know that companies, insurance companies have had a hard time maybe pricing those properly up upfront, um, given lack of statistics, et cetera. So I think it's super interesting what you're doing there and hopefully that industry will survive.
3: Um, you know, we, we have a group of, of brilliant uh, data scientists uh, on our team. We Half our team is in outside of Tel Aviv in Israel and half of it's here. and. Um, What they've done is been able to predict those risk curves, which enable more effective pricing. So if you can predict mortality and longevity, you can understand the right economics of supporting it and how it works, for example, with life insurance, with annuities and savings and things like that. But the approach is, it's similar to what we're trying to do in the home care agency. It's taking a page from the healthcare continuum, right? So take somebody that has COPD for an example, if you can stay ahead of the curve and manage it, you can have a pretty normal life. Some inconveniences, but it's not going to fundamentally change your ability to age in place. If you don't manage it, then it definitely will. And you know, I don't think anybody's, and this is not a, uh, anything against uh, nursing home, skilled nursing facilities. But I don't think anybody wakes up in the morning and says, I can't wait to go to one. <laughs> Yeah, and so yeah, that yeah. idea of aging in place, wherever place is, is a is a key theme in everything that I do now.
2: I, uh, I, had, yeah. I had a I mean, question, yeah, because um, I was thinking the same thing Alyssa said about how yeah, I've seen you know the the carriers sort of dwindle over time as they've kind of decided you know maybe they didn't maybe they didn't do you know the right. Um, projections. And so they, you know, they've gotten out of the business. And, and I know that, you know, one, one of the concerns that people have, like when we speak to clients about perhaps looking at long-term care insurance is, you know, they read about these, uh, significant increases that happen over time, even after you get into a policy. Um, and that's basically another result of them, you know, under, under underpricing uh, Mm -hmm. and, you know, inflation and, and all that. And, And I don't know, Mark, if that's part, you know, part of what you guys look at to try to, or if you have any kind of, um, answer to that as far as, you know, what that might look like going forward as far as, you know, kind of projecting and, you know, uh, an average sort of rate of increase on on a premium? Well,
3: you know, rate increases are, are uh, negotiation between the carriers and the Department of Insurance at the state. So one of the challenges it's for the carriers, it's kind of, you know, uh, it's a it's a it's a 50 point conversation. Because um, they have to do it in, in every state in which they they write, so it's complicated. Um, on one side, the other side of it is, if you think about you know 1980, you know projection for you know longevity was very different. You know uh, we've had such tremendous advances in healthcare, which have, have driven longevity. You know people would. I'm not gonna get into the religious debate as well, is it a quality of life at the at the end that they're extending or not? I'm not gonna go there, but people are living quite long and the cost of care. So if you think about it, somebody that has macular degeneration and it starts at 65 to to 70, and when and you're projecting a lifespan of 80, 85, it's gonna to get to a certain point. But now if you're projecting a lifespan of a 100, 105, hundred and ten you're talking about disease progression of just normal aging that's taking much more significant toll in those later years because there are more later years so the cost of care at a broad base is going up and you know you'll see you've seen changes in the long-term care insurance market where you know you used to be able to find unlimited policies in other words they would yeah. pay a certain amount forever that yeah, just yeah. shouldn't happen anymore. No, um, I, have,
1: I have some clients that own them and, and I'm like, don't yeah. ever get rid
3: of that. Yeah. The, those, those, are, those are unicorns in uh-huh. the today's world yeah. and yeah, um, yeah. and incredibly valuable. So you don't have to worry But most policies have a dollar limit per day, daily benefit amount, and a maximum payout amount. So it, it's an optimization. It's your bailiwick, right? It's It's what's the right way to use that at the right time. If you have alternatives in your earlier years of aging, you should take advantage of them. Save this for a large spend. If you have to, especially now when, you know, Medicaid rates are, are, are quite low. So the, the ultimate long-term care environment, a nursing home, you know, those, those, their costs are significant. Their reimbursement from the government is quite low. So they're looking for people who can pay privately for a period of time so the average economics work for them and they can provide a high quality of care. And many great agencies in our market do that, mm-hmm. but it's hard. So it's not, I'm going to run out of money and then I'm going to go to the nursing home because you may not find one or you may have to take the first available bed, which could be, you know, 80 miles away, 90 miles away, and you may not have a choice. So how do you manage the proje- your own projections relative to your own personal situation against the data that's out there and figure it out? It's uh, it it's you're trying to solve an equation from six sides, and it's
1: complicated. Yeah, well, I'm glad that there's a company working on it. <laughs>
3: we, we, we are. Yeah, that'll be a separate conversation. <laughs> Can I, okay. uh, Mark.
2: Conversation. Yeah, Mark. Do you have any? Do you have any thoughts or opinions on like, you know, because I know there are, you know, there are long-term care uh, insurance policies where you, you know, you pay for X number of years, be it you know 10 years, right. and then and then and then the premiums are done. Um, I mean, do you think? Is there value in that, based on these potential, you know, increase, you know, rate increases?
3: It, it, well, it depends on, the, on on the cost and your policy. You have to kind of sort out where you are economically, just like term life insurance. I have it during this period to offset in case I lose out in my working years, right? right. Protect my family. It's the same. It's the same math. Um, the difference is the spend is inevitable and large. In there, so it's a, it's a safety net. So there, are, you know, will there be term, long-term care policies? You know, hmm. it's kind of self-managed, right? I stop paying the premiums; it's a term policy. I keep paying the premiums; it keeps going right. um, in there. But the rate increases are a fact of life. But the departments of insurance are very conservative about letting those things go through. But there are real increases in cost which drive it. So usually, carriers give you know an individual a choice. You can go with the rate increase. And you can keep your rate the same, but you have a lower coverage. Right? Yeah. They're trying to yeah. make it. They're trying. They're truly trying to make it easy. And then you see hybrid products, which are blending life and long-term care together. The, the, the advice I usually give people, my friends and my myself, is if you can get long-term care insurance through your, through your employer, take it.
0: Mm.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty reasonably priced. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. Can we? um, I wanted to, before, can we switch gears for a moment and and talk about home care and switching and uh, choosing uh, an agency, et cetera. So um, Kirk, Mark and I had a conversation yesterday and he was bringing up some things that I didn't know about just home care in general in the state of Massachusetts and how it's, I don't want to use the term not regulated, but how it's- It's not regulated. Okay, it's not regulated. I
2: can't say that, okay. and You know,
1: so, so maybe can you just, walk us through in general, sure. Um, you know, things to think about for families that are going through mm-hmm. this where either, you know, a spouse or mom or dad want to be able to, you know, stay home. Um, and, you know, where where do they, what are the resources that they have out there? And talk us a little bit through the different choices that they have when looking for people to help them.
3: So, you know, when I grew up, there was a retailer called uh, Sims Department Store. It was kind of a discount clothing store, mostly men's. And their slogan was an educated consumer is the best customer. And it's, um, sorry, I'm getting a little blurry there. Um, yeah. is, um, is, um, and, and it's, a, it's it, it applies to this industry, especially in the state of Massachusetts. So there is no regulation of home care agencies at all, in any shape, in any form. There's two requirements to open an agency and that's it. You have to register your company with the state and get a tax ID number, okay? it's about 15 minutes. You have to sign up so you can run Corey's on your employees, right? Corey is limited. It's a criminal yeah. uh, records check. It's limited to the state of Massachusetts. doesn't cover any other state. Now, think about how many states uh. we can cross the line to, right? There's absolutely no requirement of any form for training of an aide. Hmm. So the well-intentioned refrigerator repairman that came to your house Tuesday, on Tuesday night, can get a job as a caregiver. Yeah, that's how no it is. How is this possible? It uh, baffles oh, my mind. Um, well, it just—I okay. I, I lobbied I lobby to try to get um, uh, uh, regulation put in place, meaningful regulation that would say if there's any level of hands-on care, there had to be a a nurse uh, or clinician that did an assessment that was qualified to do it. And there needed to be a frequency of checks. And if there was any level of hands-on care, often called personal care, that it had to either be a certified nursing assistant, a CNA, or a qualified home health aide, you know, going through the the entire um, uh, 75-hour course and practicum, which is how I run my agency. Those are the requirements for our aides. I have three nurses on staff to help, you know, do the clinical oversight and definition of care plans. But I would say the vast majority of agencies in the state do not worry about certification of their aides and do not have a clinician in place to to do it. So what you find is a wide diversity of costs and typically costs are done on a per hour basis, right? So the ones that don't worry about those things, they're going to be you know, twenty-seven to thirty dollars an hour. The ones that do are going to be thirty to forty dollars an hour, because there's a real cost of doing those things. Yeah. In there, but I it's about I, protecting I, the individual.
1: Yeah, I guess if I devil's advocate for a moment, it, you know, it, it, really many of us at some point in our lives have been caregivers, right? Many adults sure. that have had children or younger siblings or. <laughs> And then there was no training for that, so I, you know, I guess no. I wasn't I wasn't getting
3: paid. But but, um, but there's a yeah, difference. Yeah. There there is a yeah, difference. Yeah. There is a difference in what you're going to do for mom or dad or your or your grandparents, um, yeah, yeah. In, in what that means. So about 44 million Americans are caregivers. Right. Yeah. It typically falls on the oldest daughter. So if that's you, it's going to land on your shoulders. Um, yeah, yeah. You know, disproportionately. Right, um, most caregivers report you know they're they're spending twenty hours a week, but some as much as forty hours a week. And let's face it, the the women in today's society, our society, they're not hanging out at home, you know, you know, watching watching TV. They're executives. They're professionals. They're they're working. They're also in you know in concert with their partner or or, or alone sometimes. You know, man, you know, raising a family. So they're in the sandwich yeah. the sandwich mode. So, you know, it's, it's a little, it's a little different. The expectation is different. And like, you know, my parents are a great example. You know, my sister, brother and I kind of, you know, help support them. They're fiercely independent. They're also 650 miles away.
1: Mm.
3: None of us are local Uh, in there. So, you know, over COVID, for example, two long nine hour drives each way just to Mm -hmm. see what was going on and, and and help, help, help manage. I write about my parents a lot. They're on the, cover of our website, they're on the cover of our brochure, and they're on the back cover of the the book Um, because I've learned a lot. So, yes, you do get a, uh, you know, a a very rapid graduate degree in caregiving when you're taking care of a a loved one, but it's still not the whole situation. You know, understanding the progression of dementia, understand the progression of uh, Parkinson's, understanding tools and techniques for how to do transfers so that you don't need a hoyer lift in the house and what um, durable medical equipment to use to make things easy and sustainable when to do home modifications when not to what are the modifications you can do some of them cost five dollars and you know you, I walk into clients' houses for example and I see they've removed the doorway It was like you do know you could have spent ten dollars on a swing clear hinge and you would have been able to get forward through with the walker Um, or or I'm building a bathroom downstairs because, you know, mom keeps falling upstairs. Well, that's because her walkers downstairs, why don't you spend $40 and get a second one and keep it by the bed (laughs) in there. So you get a trained eye after, you know, thousands of experiences of things people can do that are often simple that, you know, change the risk trajectory or change the the operating risk so that people can age in place and don't have those unforeseen events.
1: So what are some of the questions that people can ask if they're, you know, calling around to some home care agencies and looking for help? What are some of the help them? Can you help our listeners guide them on what to ask now, knowing that it's not a regulated business?
3: If there's any hands on care, bathing, grooming, toileting, um, guidance for medication um, or cognitive impairment, do they have a nurse or social worker on staff? Thing one, i.e., do they have, you know, a trained clinician who's looking at this from what's it going to take to make this work, right? The second thing, do they do a comprehensive, you know, intake that defines the needs of the individual? So when we do an intake, we may only be there 25 hours a week, but we do... A care plan that covers 168 hours, i.e. 24 hours a day times seven days a week, because it's not a matter of whether we're doing it or not. It's here's what's needed. Who's doing it? What that enables us to do is figure out what care is needed and when is it needed? Because some people will say, well, I need you know four hours every every day. Well, maybe. Maybe you need eight hours every other day and four hours one day hmm. in there, because maybe the issue is caregiver burden a major cause of, you know, not being able to age in place. And so, you know, if you have an eight-hour gap, you can get real things done. But if it's a four-hour gap, you may not be able to. So how do you optimize the investment in care? And assessment helps you do that. The next question is, what's in that assessment? What are you evaluating? Well, you need to evaluate safety, both personal as well as environmental, right? You need to, you know, look at, uh, the, can the individual get their 13 basic life needs met? Can they get their ADLs and IADLs? Mm-hmm. Can they get can they get their food? Can they get their medication, and so forth? Can they manage their meds and vitals? You'd be amazed at how many people take their blood pressure every day because they've got a wonderful smartwatch their kids gave them, mm-hmm. but they have no idea what to do if it goes up or down. Yeah, right? yeah. Diabetes is even worse. <laughs> you know, in there, um, you know, what's the level of burden of care? How do you manage that? You know, if you're if you're if you've got a career, you're raising kids and you're trying to take care of mom and dad, there there's a there's a limit. There's a limit, no matter who you are. How do you manage that so that it works for everybody? And then, you know, what's the level of life engagement? You know, are they doing things or are they just surviving? So that's the that's the next question, the level of assessment. And and the last piece is what are their solutions for solving problems? So, really, what is it? If the agency doesn't ask what you're trying to accomplish with care, how can they deliver it? And if they're not asking that question, they're probably not going to deliver it. They're going to provide, you know, tactical intervention, but it's not going to solve the problem. It's going to, you know, be little line items of support. Um,
1: okay, Mark, we gotta. We're gonna take a break. We're gonna. Uh continue on this after the break um you're listening to mcnamara on money i'm Alyssa mcnamara reed joined by my husband and business partner kirk reed um we're talking about aging in place today we're uh, lucky enough to have mark friedman who owns senior helpers boston and south shore um you can check out his agency at senior right mark right yep. i think i'm good on that uh-huh. um uh, Mark Marcus, very broad back broad based background. Does a lot of different things, sort of in this industry, and also as an executive in a company called Assured Allies, which I guess helps uh, is like a consulting business, right? Helping to price long term care insurance policies, etc. Yeah super interesting stuff. So um, we're just going to take a uh, quick break. I want to, after the break, I do want to come back and touch on um, this assessment that you do. I'm, I'm a little unclear about, you know, you're talking about all these you know, things in the, in the plan for the person that needs care. And I want to talk about what you guys do versus care management. I don't know if that's separate okay. or the same, so we'll get all into that after the break. Um, but we're just, we'll we're, uh, be right back. Hi, this is Alyssa Reed with McNamara Financial in Marshfield. Your investment strategy should largely be determined by the amount of time you have before needing the money. If you are aggressively invested, time is your friend when it comes to your portfolio recovering from this scary stock market. If you need your invested money soon, it should have been conservative to begin with. If you're not sure how your money is invested, I'd be happy to offer my opinion. 781-834-2010.
2: We are back. You're listening to McNamara on Money, the South Shore's very own... Financial Talk Radio Show. Good morning. Radio Alyssa, show. are you still are you with us? Yep. No? Alyssa, are you there or no? Oh, we have Mark. Yeah. Okay. Uh so we're joined today by Mark. Oh sorry, Friedman. did I
1: miss
2: that? I was Yeah. You... <laughs>
1: sorry. I was I, I was switching my um my AirPods. I didn't realize I was late. It's, okay, it's the sound oh, of the mind? wings behind you.
2: Know <laughs> really yes. Yeah, we were just we were talking there. there even uh, on the first segment, yeah, your sound quality was you know a little funky. Uh, so maybe it'll be better now.
1: Mine was. Yeah. Is it better now? I switched.
2: Um, I think it does sound I better. No. I,
1: switched,
2: yeah. so. I think it sounds it a little bit better now. Yeah. No. I, uh, I did want to. Anyway, I just. I, I did want to give out the uh, the number real quick in case. Uh, so, Mark, just so you know, I don't know if Alyssa told you. Sometimes we do get callers, uh, so yes. I was going to give out the uh, the phone number seven eight one eight three seven forty nine hundred. If anybody wants to call in uh, with a question uh, for Mark uh, or for us, uh, you know, today the topic uh, we're talking about is is aging in place, um, which I know is very you know. Um, Popular topic, and so I'm sure people have questions, and so please give us a call.
1: Yeah, and did you introduce Mark again and his website and all that stuff? Well,
2: I didn't have all that stuff written down, so no, I didn't. I didn't want to. I didn't, uh, wanna, uh, we're, we're yeah. didn't want to do it incorrectly. Yeah.
1: Didn't want to get it wrong. No, so we're talking with Mark Friedman, so he's the owner of Senior Helpers Boston and South Shore, um, and I I was poking around the website a little bit. It looks like SeniorHelpersBoston.com, and he's um, you know list of services, etc. Um, there. So Mark, thank you so much um, for being here. Yeah. And again, if anybody wants to call in 781-837-4900, I know a lot of families go through this obviously every day. So, um, all right, let's, I I did want to talk about care management and Mm -hmm. like, maybe the difference between that and what a home care agency does, because some of the things you're talking about, Mark, in terms of your assessment and, and and making the plan it, it, to me, that sounds like care management. So I'm a little unclear on the differences. Can you walk us
3: through that? It, 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 we don't we don't sell care management services per, per se. But when right, we're when we right, have right. a client, we manage their care. We often work with professional care managers, geriatric care managers, member of Aging Life Care Association. Um, we're corporate members of Aging Life Care Association, and 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 that's an important organization. Those folks are you know are are certified. Um, usually, they're either social workers or you know, other forms of clinicians, or, or you know gerontologists or um, nurses that have gotten the certification, and th- their scope is a little broader. Right. So they will you know go to doctor's appointments. They'll advocate those types of things. Um, whereas we're, we'll evaluate the individual and what their personal needs are, and we'll manage those needs that are contracted for us. geriatric care manager may manage a whole portfolio of other things. They may manage bill paying. They may manage you know, the, the, the clinical side of the individual's world. We'll butt up against that, but we don't necessarily cross those lines. It's, it's one of those things where, you know, an internist may have done a cardiac residency, but you probably don't want them to do heart surgery. You know, so the specialization matters um, in there. So, you know, we often work with geriatric care managers to provide that broad base of services or, or, or consult. Sometimes their exposure is a little broader um, and whereas we're focused on the very tactical aspects of what does the individual need to age in place in their home with regard to personal care, um, you know, hands-on care, hands-off care, progression of disease and those types of things, we're not gonna venture outside of that. You know, our caregiver may take somebody to the doctor's office, but they're not gonna go, they're not gonna be in there advocating and taking notes and those types of things. Whereas a care manager can do that. Um, they can be the stand-in for the son or daughter.
1: Yeah, I was gonna say not all families have a care manager, right? That's maybe
3: more. No, very, very few actually. We often bring them in. We'll often bring them in to a case if it's complex. Sometimes there's complex dynamics between siblings trying to take care of mom. They have different priorities, different concerns. We'll bring in a care manager and say, you know, we need help sorting this out. Will you help? Will you help the family, you know, find their center so we can provide the right care? Because what one wants versus what the other wants is different. You know, one might say, I wanna reduce the cost of care. The other one is I want mom and dad to have everything that they need. And it's not that either one is right. It's what's the balance between the two. You know, we don't, my my, my nurses, you know, who are orchestrating the care, don't have time to play mediator because they're balancing a caseload of, you know, 80 to 100, 150 different clients.
1: Hmm. What's the, is there like an average in terms of number, number of hours that, you know, your nurses are spending
3: in someone's home, or is that just like- oh, Well, we, we typically do a an in-home visit. I mean, granted COVID changed things a little bit. Um, we did some virtual visits, but we, we try to put eyes on from either one of our, our field supervisors or our nurse once a month on every client, you know, in there. We also yeah, use yeah. A, a, a scheduling platform and, a, and a kind of our, our, our um, uh, client management system, where the caregivers and we put tablets in our clients' houses, the caregivers log in, they understand what the plan of care is, they make their notes of what happened on their shift and they clock in and out. And it's geotagged, so we know it's our tablet, we know where the tablet is, and we know what they did because they're telling us on there. Sometimes we put, you know, more detailed written um, care logs in the house, nurses go by and pick it up, summarize it, and we keep track of those things. In our um, assisted living at home program, which is specifically designed to help people age in place, um, which is a fixed monthly cost uh, program, which has engagement, case management. We bring a geriatric care manager into it for consult as well, every single month. Um, you know, we, we blend all those things together and under one package with certain levels of care. Same as an assisted living would do.
1: Okay, yeah. What about what about your caregivers? Is there like an average number of hours that they're spending with?
3: So, so, you know, the cases themselves can vary. So there are years where our average case was 90 hours a week, and there are years where our average case is 30 hours a week. You know, um, over the, the last year and a, and, a, and a quarter, you know, the average hours per week has gone down because people were hesitant to have people in their homes. Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, We're seeing an average get back to around 50. We did a lot of very complex care for a number of years. And so those tend to be a lot of 24-7 cases, live-in care, those types of things, which we still do. But the demand is lower right now. And right. it, but it's starting to come back. Our caregivers work. It really depends on what their situation is. Um, we try to get keep our caregivers as full as possible because that keeps them, you know, um, within the agency. Our biggest constraint right now is available labor. You know, there's about a forty percent labor shortage in this industry.
1: Wow! Even in this industry?
3: Oh, it's huge. <laughs> it's it's huge, and it's gotten worse since really since two thousand kind of the end of 15, beginning of 16, it started, and it's got worse and worse and worse. You know, everybody, you know, says, oh, well, we wanna get to a $15 an hour minimum wage. We passed $15 an hour years ago (laughs) in there. It's not, it's not just the wage, it's available people who wanna do the work.
1: Interesting. So that's not just COVID related, that's...
3: Not at all. It's a national issue. Um, uh, Professor at MIT wrote a book, Who'll Provide the Care? And it's only gonna get worse. Um, demographics. So what does that mean? Well, to get the caregivers, you're going to have to pay more. If you're going to have to pay more, you're going to have to charge more. All of a sudden, the cost of care goes off the racks, you know, long-term care group LTCG just published their, their annual cost of care benchmark. And it's, and it's, it's, it's broad and varied, you know, in the, in the Metro market, we've seen hourly costs go from when I started in this business, it was $23 an hour. We're on average running around 34, which is also the the Medicaid reimbursement rate. We try to, mm-hmm. you know, keep it very reasonable. But there are agencies that are 45 and 50 dollars an hour wow. in there. And it's you know, and if you need a nurse, and there somebody's trying to staff a nurse, average cost hourly cost of a nurse is 175 for an RN. Yeah,
1: and you were just saying, and you were just saying, if a couple of years ago your average caseload was 90 hours a week, yeah. That could be in a what did you just say something like 40 45
3: dollars $45 an hour well you know at that time our our hourly costs were a lot less but every year we relook at it but you know as minimum wage goes up the whole continuum pushes up which is great you know we i i you know i have i have aides that make you know 55 sixty thousand a year you know because they work full they do live in cases they're they're amazing caregivers people don't get into caregiving for the income. again in the caregivers they have a passion for providing care. In the Boston market, most of the caregivers are immigrants. they're here they either came on visas or they're naturalized citizens. Okay, um, okay. you know we comply with all you know um, employment law and with um, uh, you know ability to work in the United States and so forth. But those visa programs disappeared at the end of 15. Hmm. so the pool of labor coming in from those countries okay, disappeared. Okay. And, you know, and that was in 2015 that, you know, those visa programs right now. So, you know, we're trying to work with uh, vocational schools. We have our own HHA school. We don't charge for it. to try to to build the pool of qualified people, you know, that are in there and we're comfortable if we train them, we can deploy them, you know, right away. Um, Take people that have worked for a number of years but were never certified, get them certified. So they have more um, career opportunities. But you know, that this population was really hard hit in the last year and a lot of people we were already in, in a bit of a bind and a lot of people just decided to find other employment.
2: What, so what, yep. so yeah, I just mark on like, so for these positions, you know, that are, that are needed, um, what, so what are, what are like the educational requirements? You know, what, what do you have to, oh, you
3: yeah. know, if they already have a certified nursing assistant, uh, certification, CNA it's from the American Red Cross uh, in the state of Massachusetts, you know, that's what we're looking for. We're also generally looking for a year or more experience. Okay. Now I have caregivers that are 30 year veterans doing this they've worked in skilled nursing they've worked in hospice they've worked in uh, home care they've worked in assisted living they've worked in home health which is a vna um you know they've done just about everything i have other caregivers you know it's a it's a stepping stone while they go to nursing school or get their college degree um you know we i had one caregiver early on who was doing this to pay for undergraduates so he could go to medical school and i believe he's graduated now he went to harvard um you know and there but this is how he paid for that. Um, so, you know, there are amazing, amazing, you know, um, you know, stories of what certifications are for home health aid. It's a 75 hour course and 40 hours of observation for CNA. It's a 90 hours with 60 hours of observation, which are minimum thresholds for,
2: you know, um, putting folks in somebody's home. Uh, you know, forgive me for not knowing this, but, uh, to like, to, to get a CNA, what are the prerequisites for that?
3: No, there really, they're really aren't. You have okay. to be able to complete the course, you know. So no, you uh,
2: do you have to have a college degree or? No, not no. at all, okay. not okay. at all.
3: And I would, I would argue, you know, many of, of our aides are in school, you know, getting the, you know, they're working through to, to get, um, you know, either advanced certifications, they can get an RN. An RN is not necessarily a college degree. It's a two-year certificate. So, um, you know, this is another certificate career, but a very good one. Um, and and you know, folks need a calling for it. You don't wake up and say, you know, I want to take care of somebody, you know, that can't take care of themselves, um, you know, because I really want to work for eighteen dollars an hour, you know, in there. It's because this is really what they want to do.
1: Yeah. Are you so? You were talking about the shortage, the labor shortages um, in yeah. your industry. What about like? nursing homes? Are there Are there enough beds for the people that need them? Are there shortages in that world as well? I mean,
3: are there enough beds? Well, it kind of depends on, so now there's a lot of, of, of talk on, we um, call it "sniff at home, skilled nursing facility at home. Mm-hmm. You know, the drive is to enable people to age in place at home. The cost of institutionalized care is, is quite high. Sometimes it's absolutely the right answer because of the, the depth of clinical need, that can be provided in scale, um, but other times the clinical need isn't isn't as pronounced. So, what are the other programs? A lot of the Medicaid programs are really centered around keeping people in the community with the right level of support and care. Yeah. Um, and there are there enough beds? Well, no. <laughs> um, and a lot of skilled nursing facilities have closed. Assisted living is a major growth industry. That's a for-profit industry for the most part, backed by real estate investment trust. Um, but yeah. assisted living is not a care environment. People often make that mistake. It's a social model. So average levels of care in assisted living are one to two and a half hours a day. It's about programming and an and occupancy with some activities. Hmm. Right, it's not you know a high level of care. There may be a ratio of caregiver to resident of one to 18, one to twenty. Overnight, it might be one to fifty. Okay, you know in there. So you know that's not a care model. Um, it's a it's a social and engagement model. You know in there, yeah, there's no, also yes, a safety in there.
1: Thus, it being a much less expensive model.
3: Well, you know in our state, assisted living runs anywhere from nine to sixteen thousand dollars a month skilled nursing facility uh, nursing home care runs around 13 home care it's how much you have you know we have assisted living at home programs that run from six thousand a month to 16 and that's just a flat price we have clients that spend as little as you know a hundred dollars a week we have other clients which are 24 7.
1: Yeah, I was wondering. So i I didn't hear. I didn't know assisted livings could be that um, so crazy. Yeah. I thought they were like six to eight thousand
3: a month. Well, there are some, but the the costs are are high. You know, you've yeah. got things like you know liability insurance, workers' comp insurance. You've got you know the, the cost of you know occupancy in, itself. You know, they're they're trying to finance that building. You know, look at what the cost of building materials have been in the last year. I mean, it's uh, it's 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 there's a, a very high fixed cost, you know, in, in all of these things yeah. um, and plus labor.
1: Can, can you walk us through the conversation a little bit, like with your clients um, mm-hmm. that are at home, uh, you know, and, and want, wanting to age in place and maybe, you know, the family, presumably the family's helping and, and there's some hired um, help as well you know, at what point are you having a conversation or are you ever bringing up the conversation that aging in place might not be the right, you know, well, um, solution and at what, are you ever, you know, can you walk us through that? At what point do you know if it's maybe time to make a change or? Yeah,
3: so, so our assessment is, is kind of the, our secret sauce. And we keep that current, every month it's brought current. And we're looking at those five things, safety, independence and autonomy, medication management, burden of care and life engagement. And we're looking for those changes. You know, if, if those things can't be managed, for example, there are 144 safety risks in the home. You know, if they become life-threatening, the home is not the right answer. If the, if, the, if the med concerns, you know, on medication management or vitals management can't be managed with the level of care, home is not the right place, right? You know, other times it's pure economics. You know, mom needs 24 seven, which could be, You know, twenty-five thousand dollars a month—the right answer. That might not be the right answer economically. You know, in there. So we're we're honest with our clients, and you know, other times it's it's elopement risk, wandering. Mm. You know, you know, you you can't lock mom in the house, right? So you know, where there there needs to be that twenty-four hour level of support. No, we. The good news is technology is changing some of those dynamics. Right. So we do remote patient monitoring with an audio based system that will, you know, raise the alarm and it's, and it's, and it's just always there running. It doesn't require somebody to press a button. It's listening.
1: Oh, interesting. Okay. And
3: it's using smart technology to evaluate what it hears against a a very significant and very intelligent database of what different things mean, you know, in there, you know, that was a fall. I know that was a fall. That was a cry for help. and it's it's not it's not always recording it's listening and when it when those things happen in real time it raises an alarm uh it's a it's a company called sensi um uh ai and it's and it's amazing technology those things are starting to come and and they'll change the dynamic of aging in place and and lower the cost because if we can break the, the 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 connection between hours of care labor and level of care the economics fundamentally change
1: Oh, absolutely! Yeah, yeah so these things are in play right now. These Alexa type devices that are listening for, yeah, like you said, a fall, or maybe someone says something like "help" or right. something like that. Oh, that's so interesting! Yeah,
3: and the we, we're deploying those with phone. our clients now. And you know, like that one yeah. for example, it's the same as one hour of care. So mom might need six hours of hands-on care a day, but needs yeah. you know some sort of safety net for the other eighteen. So for the price of seven hours of, of, of care, you get a 24 hour net with the hands-on support you need. I,
1: that's the first I've heard of this. And are there things like yeah. if the front door opens or something, someone's alone? You can have all
3: of those types of triggers, you know, you know, smart um, doorbells, things like that. You know, you can, you know, they'll, they'll, they'll trigger. I mean, I had to turn off the, I have a, you know, regular home alarm you know, on my house and I turned off the notifications because I have a college student home for the summer. Uh And I got tired of having the ding go off all the time uh, in there every time the door opened. And so, you know, yeah, it's, it's about, it's about understanding what the individual needs are and what the family's trying to accomplish, right? And you have to bring those two things together. Our assessment lets us do those things. If we can't meet the family's objectives, then even though home could be viable, it may not be the right answer because of what the family's trying to accomplish. Right. But as you know, once you sell it, once you monetize a home, all of a sudden that money is in play relative to managing, you know, um, benefits with regard to Medicaid and those types of things. You know, if it's, if it's a house, it's fine. The houses have certain types of exclusion for Medicaid and, and so forth cash. Not so much.
1: Can you talk about Medicaid a little bit? It's it's my understanding that, um, well, it, actually, that's a that, The Medicaid discussion is a very long discussion, but but just one component of it is. Uh, it's my understanding that Medicaid. It, should someone qualify for Medicaid, in other words, financially, that it, does it only. Um, does it only pay if someone is in a skilled nursing facility, or are there situations where someone could stay at home and be a Medicaid recipient in oh, Massachusetts?
3: Programs for you know aging in the community are coming out. So area um, okay. aging service access points, are ASAPS, you know they have certain budgets for folks that, that qualify, whether it be a pace program or okay. which okay. is now looking at aging in place in the home or um, other things. But for the most part, the bulk of it is spent um, either on the pure health insurance aspect or if it has an occupancy component in nursing homes. Um, But they are evolving programs. It's been a major push for years, but figuring them out is complicated. I'll give you an example. You know, we went to get a Medicaid waiver contract and uh, the reimbursement rate is my cost of care. In a labor shortage, why would I deploy staff and make no profit and break even yeah. I can't. It's not that I don't want to provide the care, it's that it makes no sense to do it. We negotiate with Medicare Advantage plans. They wanna reimburse at $15 an hour. We pay more than that. You can't make that up on volume, yeah. <laughs> so go so in there. But there are programs for aging in place in the community you know, in there, they've made done um, mass rehab commission, for example, has some amazing programs for people that have, you know, recovering from traumatic brain injury or have long-term, you know, complications in there to keep them aging in the community with the right level of support. It really depends on what the individual's status is, their level of acuity and capability and how much care is needed as to where that, you know, inflection point is and, you know, cost versus benefit.
1: Yeah. I'm happy that those discussions are being had. I guess at the, at the state level or perhaps the federal level, because right. you would—I mean, you would think that in certain situations it would be cheaper to keep the, the person at home versus moving them to a skilled nursing facility, right? You'd think that it would be mutually beneficial at, at
3: certain levels depending on the level of care that's needed and yeah. what the scope of care is in that yeah. level. It can be. It can be. But, you know, Medicaid is, you know, another interesting thing, you know, that it's caught up between federal and state. Federal, federal funds augmented by state funds administered by the state. So Massachusetts administers a lot of that through its aging service access points. We have 20 some of those. You know, Texas has one. You know, there's, you know, it, it's what's the right way to define and deploy those programs. And different populations have different needs. Yeah, yeah. All
1: right, um, I do want to get into uh-huh. Medicare a little bit maybe after the next break just because well, I you know everyone has questions on that and and um, eligibility and what you know can and should be done with assets in order to position yourself as right. eligible for Medicaid and we I feel like we need a little bit more than like three minutes to um to talk about yeah
3: that. I mean that's probably a uh, 15 16 day session <laughs> <laughs> I know
1: I know We'll have you on again another day, maybe with an sure. law attorney. That would be a really interesting um, show and a good conversation right. um, and really good information to get out there to people. Um, if anyone has questions for us, uh, 781-837-4900, if you're listening on the South Shore. We're talking about aging in place. Um, we're talking today with Mark Friedman, who's the owner of Senior Helpers Boston and South Shore Home Care Agency. You can check out his website uh, SeniorHelpersBoston.com. I was looking for the picture of your parents on the website, but I didn't see it. I don't know. So, that cover,
3: that. the cover, when you go to Senior Helpers Boston, that, old, that older couple that comes up on the top of the page, that's my mom and dad.
1: I don't know if mine's maybe just not loading or something. I'm just seeing like a gray screen. Do you see it, Kirk?
3: What's the website? What's the website? SeniorHelpersBoston.com. Senior All right. It's right yeah, at the top are- of the page. I can.
1: Saying that the inspiration was it the inspiration for your book is, is your parents
3: in many in, in most cases, yes. Um, uh, you know, the trials and tribulation to both an agency owner and a uh and a, and a son in there. So, here, here I can very quickly show you. Are you disabled? I, it's disabled. So, it says, you know, if you go to my cover page, it says, because being able to age in place is the best care and comfort for all. That couple, woman with gray hair, and that gentleman, that's my mom and dad.
1: Okay. So sorry. So um, yeah, and we just have a couple minutes before we need to take a break. What's What's the name of your book?
3: So it is uh, a guide to successful and excellent, or excellent and successful aging. Um, I might even have a copy with me. I uh, yeah. Uh, So uh, I have my 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 cover here um, in there. It's available on Amazon as a paperback, and uh, and that's my that's my folks there.
1: Oh, I yes. see. Okay, so yeah. we just read the title again because
3: I assume... A, a, a guide to successful and uh, to excellent and successful aging. Oh yeah, yeah, I
1: love it. And we it's
3: you know it's stories about you know being an agency, the questions my families asked, you know, and my own experience as a as a family caregiver
2: i uh i do see well i'm on i'm on my phone uh mark so it's just you know it's the mobile version and i so i see your mom but your dad gets cut off on the uh, mobile yeah, version. Just so off, just fyi F- 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 mean, yeah <laughs> uh, but <laughs> i do see i do see your mom on there. um so i think we just have like a minute left we do have a caller but i think we'll, we'll probably just wait till after the break so we um don't get too uh too interrupted there so we do have a caller when we come back uh, but i think we just have like one minute left um to okay. chat. What, what, I,
3: what I'd really like to talk about is, you know, this idea of a return on investment for care. Okay. Because yep. um, yep. it's yep. an investment, just like any investment, it's got to accomplish the things you needed to accomplish. Yeah. Okay.
1: All right. Well, that means it's time to take a break. So we'll talk about return on investment in care when we get, um, when we come back here, we're talking again with Mark Friedman, uh, with senior helpers, Boston and South Shore, also uh, his other company, Assured Allies um talking about aging in place today you're listening to mcnamara on money i'm Alyssa mcnamara reed and kirk reed you can check out our podcast if you missed any of today's episode uh search your podcast app for mcnamara on money we're just taking a quick break and we'll be right back